Perhaps you've seen his TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray, transmitted globally via EWTN and reaching homes in 140 different countries. So ladies and gentlemen, please bring your hands together and clap loudly as we bring back Dr. Ray Grundy. I hope, whoa, I hope I don't fall off this, because if I do, this will all be mine. Now, you people will still get to meet here, but not what you're paying now. Thank you for asking me back. You have to understand that this is one of the best, if not the best, largest conference around. So God bless you. That said, I owe many of you an apology. You come by the book table, you share with me a lot of beautiful things. I'm sorry, I'm not a very good conversationalist anymore. I can explain. My wife and I have been getting in these little tips. Every time we do, she brings up the same theme. Ray, would you please get out of the 70s? Ladies, one thing about us guys, you know this. All you have to do is tell us to do something one time, we do it. I'm, I'm sensing incredulity here. I didn't want to hear this anymore. Our anniversary was coming up. Going to go out and get her something by myself. Not going to bring any of my daughters to help me. I got five boys and five estrogen Americans. My girls know their mother up one side, down the other. My boys don't even know they got a mother half the time. You know, the average five-year-old girl walks up to her mother, um, excuse me, mother, while I do appreciate the guidance you've given me on these first few years, I feel compelled to tell you you were wrong on most of it. Why don't you raise dad? He's got about 10 or 12 more years of middle school to go through. The average 16-year-old boy is doing this. Mom, mom, where's the ice cubes? No, I asked dad. He don't know where they are either. My youngest daughter, Liz, is 24. She's been able to run the whole family for about the last 10 years. My son, Peter is 26, still giving his brother wedgies. I, you know, these are not the same species. I didn't want to hear this anymore. Anniversary was coming up. I was going to go get her a gift by myself. Get out of the 70s. I'll put a stop to that. So I went out. I bought her one of those mood rings. See, that's kind of how she reacted, sort of like that. Our ladies laugh. Those things work. They do. She's in a good mood, turns green. She's in a bad mood, leaves a red mark on my forehead. The part about the 10 kids is true. That's why I'm here. It's quieter here and it smells better. People find out I got 10 kids, they always get this. All right. Now that you have your own children, what have you learned? I learned something very critical. 
never took them out in public. You take them out in public, invariably they're going to pull some stunt. Embarrasses the heck out of you. People know you're a shrink, it's worse. You can almost hear them thinking out loud, let's just see what Mr. Psycho Man does about this one. But I figure it this way, many of you have raised your children, you know this. We get our vengeance. First nine, ten years of life out in public, they embarrass us. After that pop, you embarrass them. Oh, man, come on, Dad, don't, don't wear the pants with the feathers. Dad, don't wave at me when people are looking right at us, and I'm not going to pull your finger. Number one reason parents speak to me these days, by far, discipline. Okay, Mr. Expert Man, you tell me how to get him to stay in bed. I can't get him to stay in bed. Chews his way down through the bedroom floor, drops into the family room. I'm back. You'll never be free. You'll never have another child. I'll be in your bed till I'm 16. That's why. And that girl's mouth, that snotty, snarly, you know, if I'd have talked to my parents that way, my head would have been rolling down the hallway. And the school people, they don't help. You know what they did last year? They closed during June, July, and August. I actually had to live with my own child during the daytime. By the way, just as an aside, in our country, you are allowed to do anything physically you want with anybody under any kind of relationship that you choose. There's one thing you're not allowed to do. You are not allowed to have more than 1.86 children in a committed marriage because they give you grief. And many of you have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine kids, and you get do you know how this is happening? Don't you have a television? Here's what you tell them when they say, are these all your children? You say, of course not. The oldest is at home with the triplets. That's what you tell them. I was three years old when I said this to my mother. I don't like you. She looked at me, Raymond. You're a little behind. I stopped liking you last year. That was back before you could psychologically smack parents around, you know. One of my kids tells me I don't like you, so what? I got five or six who do. Any given moment, I got a 50% approval rating. Parents, grandparents will ask me, how do I discipline a child less? Give me a technique that is foolproof. I got it. It works for every kid, every grandkid. Simply do one thing. Lower your standards. You get them low enough, you don't have to discipline at all. I told you, quit doing drugs in the living room when we have company. We discipline because we love. And you know what else you discipline, dear people, whether you're a parent or grandparent? You are the kindest, most gentle teacher that kid is ever going to have. If you don't do it now because you feel guilty, or you're afraid he won't like you, or you're afraid of doing something psychologically incorrect, 
or your mother-in-law thinks you are the biggest she-witch to fly the face of the earth, we are turning our kids over to them. A judge, a landlord, an army sergeant, a police officer, an employer. I shudder at this next one. A wife. Somebody's going to teach them, and the world hurts. The world will crush our kids. You don't want the world to discipline your children. Nobody likes undisciplined kids. I always tell folks, discipline without love may be harsh. Love without discipline is child abuse. Because ultimately, whether it takes 5, 10, 15, 20 years, that world is going to hurt them. Now, part of the problem here, many of you have raised your children. I believe you are the last generation to know who the parent was. It's true. The shrinks have done a number on these young people. You leave him on the pot for four minutes too long, he's going to grow up to be a tattooed face motorcycle gang member on Dr. Phil. And you named him John because you were hoping it would help in the toilet training. We got him overthinking, overanalyzed. Analysis paralysis, is that what I should have said? Was that an I message or was that a you message? Was that active listening or passive listening? Is it one minute per year of age in the timeout chair or one year per minute of age? I get that one all confused. That element of confident parenthood now is slipping away, especially among the very best people. Look at you. You give up a whole weekend to come here and listen to people talk about this, that, and the other. Look how loving and caring you are. Either that or you got no life whatsoever. You're a sliver. You're not like that culture out there anymore. You're different. And you know the irony? Some of you have raised great kids. And you went against the culture to do it. And then, when it was all done, and you had great kids, you didn't get credit for it. You are so lucky. You just got good kids. You have Chastity and Angelica. I didn't get good kids. I got Chucky, Damien, Cujo, and Lucifer. How many of you, by any chance, have children under five in here? All right, fair amount. At one point, my children were 12, 11, 10, 10, 9, 7, 4, 3, 2, and baby. And as they mentioned, my children are all gifts through adoption. I talked to some adoptive parents out there. This is a great benefit if you're thinking adoption. If you adopt in December, you still get the tax deduction for the whole year. They pay for themselves at first, or then you start to fall behind because they eat more. But my wife and I started getting into a lot of friction as we got more children. Ladies, I believe you will agree with me. First of all, my wife does not work for a living. I don't know what she does. Well, you quote, well, I'll deny I was even here. They turn on you fast around here. I saw what she does. I wanted no part of what she does. When the kids were little, she'd take them to church. She'd take them to a grocery store. I'd go. If I was heavily sedated, I would go. You had to see it, strung out behind her like ducks, hands at their sides, not a lot of touching anything. 
they would not deviate six inches either way out of a straight line the whole two hours they were in there. No, they wouldn't. Leg irons wouldn't let them. I got three white kids, two Hispanic kids, two biracial kids, three black kids. People would look at my wife. Some of them were pretty bold. It's some kind of club or something. Some of them wouldn't say a whole lot, but I could read their eyes. That major dork don't realize them ain't all his. I suspect her, but I can't catch her. Now, those of you grandparents and parents who have the little ones, the little five, six-year-olds, you're out in public, somebody hands this child a cookie, manners make Grown-ups look very good out in public. That's why children don't use them. So you help her out. What do you say? And she looks at you like this is the first time in your life you've ever brought this concept up. What's the magic word? Being a veteran parent, grandparent, you know how to create pain. You take these nails. You reach for some fleshy body part, and you start to squeeze. See? Thank you. Ow! hurting me. In a fit of resolve, you take what's left of the cookie, you hand it back to the person who gave it to her, telling them, thank you. But she knows she needs to say thank you. She can't keep it. Does that person look at you now and say, good for you. You know, you don't see parents and grandparents doing that these days anymore. Honey, you're very lucky to have a mother like this. Now, you don't understand it now. You're going to understand it 20 years from now. What does that person now say? Oh, no, that's okay. Here you go, baby doll. I have four more bags for you because you live with the wicked witch of the West. Dear people, this just matters. This ain't the big stuff. Morals, character, peers, drugs, dating, virtue, academics. Why are you getting grief for this? Simple. You have a standard, and you're enforcing it. Everybody says they want well-disciplined children, except when the time comes to discipline well. Then it's, ooh, you're kind of strict, aren't you? Kids got to be kids, you know, lighten up. Back off. What are you, quasi-Amish? Loosen it up. Who of you in here have teenagers? A lot more of those. Now, let's say you go home after the conference. You go up to your teen. You say, you know, I was listening to that shrink fellow down there at the conference, that Roy Ganoldi or Ron Ganeri or whatever that dude's name was, and he taught me something. He taught me I owe you an apology. I have been wrong for a long time. Now, this is a great way to introduce new discipline because it fluffs them up before you drop them. <laughs> I've been allowing you to talk to me in ways that are no good for you, no good for me. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I'm the parent. My responsibility. New house rule. From this point forward, if you get disrespectful in any way, words, content, tone, Language, looks, body language. 
whatever. New house rule. You're going to write a 400-word essay on apology, handwritten each and every time. You refuse to do it, I'm going to shut you down. Child looks at you like, is that what you learned at your parenting talk? What are we going to do? You know, 50% of the parents that I talk with say, I can't get them to do that. There's no way I could get them to do that. What are you going to do? How do you get them to do that? I had a client in my office one time, and she said, I can't get them to do it. I said, well, shut everything down. You control everything. Shut it all down. She says, you mean like a blackout? I said, yeah, like a blackout. All things are done before you get that essay. I asked clients in my office, if you told that six-year-old to go stand in the corner, please, one time, calm tone of voice, would he? Do you know the majority of American parents cannot get a child to go to that corner to stand and stay without a brawl, without a temper fit? without coming out 26 times, without a look that says, yeah, you and what army? Am I done yet? I hate this dumb corner. I hate this dumb house. You never send chastity to the corner. She's your pet, that's why. Why'd you even bother to have me? I know why. Didn't want to do no discipline around here yourself, that's why. Wish grandma was my mom. She loves me. I wish dad was my mom. He's never home. Then you got the religious weasels. I love you, mommy. I want to come out and give you the biggest hug and kiss I ever gave you in my life. Right now, quick, before the feeling goes away. Mommy, can I come out and pray with you? A whole rosary in Aramaic as we kneel on broken glass, levitating. <laughs> Shut them down. It's all right. You don't have your favorite toys. You don't have favorite cup. You don't have any stuffed animals. We go out to eat. You're not going to eat. You're going to watch. You can make a sandwich before you go. I haven't got my corner time yet. There's an interesting phenomenon that occurs in my office. A parent will come in and describe a litany of trouble about this long. Then they'll say this. And those of you who listen on the radio, you've heard this many, many times. I'm giving you the wrong impression. Overall, he's a pretty good kid. How is that? Well, he's not on drugs or anything like that. Folks, one of the new moral high bars He's not on drugs. I asked my clients, what do you want looking back at you at age 22? What would you hope to be able to say about that child? If you're content to say, well, you know, given the way their kids are turning out nowadays, I'm counting my blessings. Parole officer says one of the nicest kids he has. I tell him, you don't have to parent that hard. Parent like the culture. You'll probably have a kid not on drugs. If you hope and pray to look at that child, no guarantees, and I'll talk about that in about a half hour. You hope and pray to look at that child when he's 22 and say, 
He's one in a hundred. Morals, character, compassion, seeks God. That's a beautiful human being. I challenge every parent that comes to me, are you prepared to be a one in a hundred? You can't parent, you can't grandparent like them anymore, folks. They'll take you places you don't want to go. They supervise here. They think they're strict. They should be supervising here. They give out social freedom two, three, four years too early. Technological freedom four, five, six years too early. And you will not be understood. You will be critiqued. You will be analyzed. You will be second-guessed, often by your own family. But in more cases than not, your kids, your grandkids, will show the goodness of what you did in facing that culture that is no longer on your side. The experts do not think like you do. Go to the computer, type in child self-esteem search. Last I looked, 100 million options. The experts believe self-esteem is the preeminent moral virtue. Type in child, humility, search. A fraction. When's the last time you heard a secular expert talk about humility? My humility is something I'm very proud of. I got a new book coming out. People are asking me over at the table. You got a new book? I do. Got one coming out. The three most humble people I know and how I taught the other two. Can you imagine our Lord going up to the apostles? Simon. Now, there for a moment I toyed with uh, changing your name to Peter, but I decided against it. I didn't know what that would do to your self-image. I mean, you've always seen yourself as a Simon. I go changing it now. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I've talked to my father. He and I agree you have a future in this operation. If you can conceive it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. Twelve more weeks of Tony Robbins management courses. Simon, you'll run this outfit. I always wanted to go to confession like the politicians. Bless me, Father. Mistakes were made. And I would like to apologize if God took something I said out of context, became upset by it, and was offended. I'm sorry for his sensitivity. Now, you got a ton of dads in here. You truly do. And I don't see this many dads in most talks that I give. So for a moment, I want to digress here for the fathers and the grandfathers. Gentlemen, one of the things I am hearing from more and more ladies is that they are the disciplinarians in their home. They set the rules, they set the tone, they set the structure, they set the discipline. And uh, Disney Dad over here, Mr. Good Time, Mr. Easy Going, Laid Back Oblivious, Mr. Honey, I was that way when I was a kid. I think I turned out pretty good. And the women are thinking, let's gather the relatives and vote. More and more women are telling me they are the authorities. We guys are along for the ride. Do what your mother says. I do what your mother says. Everybody does what your mother says. You want to live? Gentlemen, soundbite. Protect that woman. 
You would never let another human being talk to your wife like that child or grandchild talks to your wife. Next time you hear her locked into a battle with a nine-year-old, don't think in the don't sit in a barca lounger in the other room thinking to yourself, I close my eyes. I can't tell which one of them's the eight-year-old. Get in there. Protect that woman. That's not your mom alone that you're talking to, or as it were, your grandma. That's my wife. You go sit down. I'm going to see what she wants me to do about this. Well, you better get a lawyer to get permission on that one. And then I'm going to do more. And I'll tell you what, gentlemen, you protect that woman, and she will feel very affectionate towards you. I used to give my boys a couple bucks. Go down and give your mother grief. I'll be right down. That worked pretty good until she found out I was only giving them a couple bucks. By the way, you know the definition of impending middle age? It's when your wife gives up intimacy for Lent, and you don't realize it till Monday after Easter. <laughs> These guys are looking at me like, what's your point, man? We know when Lent is. Sometimes I'll tease my clients. What would your mother have done had you talked to her the way your daughter is talking to you? Oh, no. No, I... I didn't, I didn't do that. Why not? You were a teenage girl once. I may have felt like it, but I didn't do it very often. Why? I knew. You knew what? Something would happen. What? I don't know. Why don't you know? It never happened. Why didn't it happen? I never did it. Why didn't you do it? Something would have happened. What? I don't know. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. It's an Abbott and Costello routine, but you see what it speaks of. It's something... That many of you allude to with your own parents, the perception of authority. Remember the look? You look at a kid now, he looks back at you like, what are you looking at? You want a piece of this? My dad used to bounce the look off our heads at mass all the way down to pew. By the time it got to me, still had enough juice left in it that I wet myself. I'd get up, I'd go to communion, I'd come back, I'd stand at the edge of the pew, letting my sisters go in first, and I stood like this. Because if you're going to look holy, you've got to tilt your head. And the Italian Catholic ladies would be thinking, now see, now that, that is how a young man is supposed to be. He's going to be a priest. No, skip priest, straight to cardinal. That wasn't it. I'm not going to sit the rest of Mass, especially if they have announcements in urine. That element of perception. My children have what the experts would call risk factors. Now, in psychological parlance, a risk factor is anything that would make a kid tougher to raise. Poor prenatal care, poor postnatal care, abuse in the womb, neglect in the womb, high maternal stress, low birth weights, heavy drug exposure, crack, narcotics, barbiturates, heroin, cocaine, nicotine, marijuana. My son Peter, birth mom was told, you're pregnant, don't worry about it. There's a blood clot growing next to the baby. Baby grows, blood clot grows. Blood clot wins, suffocates baby, problem solved. The problem made it. He was born two months premature, one month intensive care. But Petey made it. 
my daughter Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Birth mom got pregnant when she was in the seventh grade. She went to Akron, Ohio to solve her problem, and she didn't realize she was in her seventh month. Now, in the seventh month, those babies are bigger. Now, you folks, you know as well as I do, the money and the steam rolling left came into Kansas and did what they did in a very conservative state, and they're doing the same thing in Ohio. Ohio is a very, very conservative state now, and they are pouring millions and millions into misleading the voting population because they want to make abortion legal up to the day of birth where you have to crush their skull and rip their limbs off to get them out, and they want to have no parental rights for a minor abortion over 13 or a transgender surgery sex reassignment operation, and right now it looks like it's going to pass in one of the most conservative states in the Union. Shows you the power of people not being informed and money and relentless hammering. That little girl didn't know she was that far along. I used to do a lot of talk to secular groups. They don't really ask me too much anymore because they go to the website and they see Catholic media and they won't touch you. I used to do school districts, principal associations, Head Start programs, hospitals. Not anymore. Catholic, off limits, no touch. But these groups, when I would give up this example, would look at me with hostility, as if to say, don't tell us that. Why? Why cannot tell you what it is? I want you to know what you're for. And the little girl panicked. She called us the next day. We were not expecting a 10th kid. We thought we were done at 9. I guess you could say Lizzie was... an unplanned adoption. We weren't practicing safe phone. My son Samuel, 35-year-old birth mom, was told two days before due date, something is wrong. Can we test? Tentative diagnosis, corpus callosum agenesis, severe neurological birth defect, worst-case scenario, institution for life. You have to know everybody in that birth mom's world was against her giving birth to Sammy. She did. Sammy goes by Sergeant G. He was at Fort Riley. Now he is at formerly Fort Hood. It was a shadow on the ultrasound. The test was totally inaccurate. So my kids have this confluence of developmental yuck, gunk, that would make them harder to raise and slower to socialize, more impulsive, more immature, more oddities in their temperament, and I do have some like that. I would not consider any of my ten children strong-willed. <laughs> this dude is one toke over the line, sweet Moses. How could you have ten kids under those circumstances, not consider any of them strong-willed, when, folks, the number one adjective now leveled upon children is strong-willed, mind of her own, stubborn streak a mile wide, so oppositional, black is white, white is black, going to do what she wants, so independent and determined and so stubborn, seven, gone on 17, the child is seven, gone on 17, very high-maintenance juncture, high-maintenance juncture, challenging child. We have a difficult child. Difficult child is redundant. Am I delusional? 
I think there's a simple explanation. The strongest willed of my ten children is not stronger willed than his mother. We have so many strong-willed kids out there because the big people have lost will. We're not as sure of ourselves. Authority's a bad word now. The experts that use iMessages, active listening, a sticker system. You don't have enough stickers per square inch on your sticker system. The kids were fighting over cereal one morning, battling over the box, all over the floor. It's about the third time this has happened. So when my wife went to the grocery store the next week, the kids watched her put nothing but cornflakes into the cart for one year. Do you think they fought over cereal after that? I did. Honey, 100 bucks for one box of Golden Grahams. 100 bucks. Six of my kids, we got at infancy. Four, we got later. The twins were the toughest. They got the twins when they were four. Birth mother ingested every toxin she could get a hold of. This is the most important part. You leave now, it's good, you know. That'd be a lesson to anybody else who gets up. <laughs> but I sure hope he's a good sport because when I come out of here, I'm a dead man. <laughs> Birth mother ingested every toxin she'd get a hold of. We don't know where the kids were the first year and a half. Children's services finally caught up with her, put them in a foster setting. Foster parents were sweet people, but they didn't discipline them. They felt guilty. Remember what I said about love with dis without discipline is child abuse because the world will hurt you? We've since found out that my wife and I were not the first family chosen for John and Joanna. Two other families were chosen before us. We had four kids. They weren't looking at us. The first two families backed out. They met the children and reacted. Uh, no, thank you. We were hoping for something a little more along the lines of a child. You see what I mean, dear people? That little four-year-old boy and girl, what was the real-world consequence for their conduct? Twice a loss of a family. Why? Because the big people didn't do what the big people needed to do. And the little people reflected it. And other big people looked at him and said, not you. You're warped. I got to admit, it didn't look too good. First visit there, Johnny punches me in the face. Attempts to strangle my wife. Kicks the foster father about 14 times during one of his fits. My wife walked out of there. She was just ticking. And she said to me, Ray, we got to rethink this. I don't think the tax deduction's worth it. I said, honey. You got two tax deductions plus the credits. They never made John go to bed. He roamed the house. He cut stuff up. He tore stuff up. They'd lay with him. They'd fall asleep. He'd climb over him and head out. First weekend visit to our house, my weasel wife says to me, Raymond, why don't you put the children to bed tonight? Honey, I don't have time for that. I'm writing a parenting book. All right, guys, come on, let's go. Heading for bed. Now, everybody came running except Johnny. He stood there. No, go bed. Little language delay. I'm not a big fella, but I'm 170 pounds. I used to be a power lifter, and I still lift. And one thing I know for sure, I am stronger than the biggest, baddest four-year-old in the whole world.
The child is going to bed. So the question is, is he going to cooperate? I went over, you know, kind of like the veterinarians. Don't tower over a wild animal. Let him smell your hand. I put my hands on his shoulders. He could tell by my grip. This was, how shall we say, a non-negotiable psychological interface. Now, at that point, he erupts. Head starts spinning around. Green stuff's coming out. He's leaking out of every body orifice. That's my theory on why God put holes in them. Get the pressure off. Most of them leak up here, but you can get leakers down here. You can. And sometimes you get pukers. Now, the bad thing about a puker is that they get so distressed they throw up, but they can only do it for a couple of years, and then they develop out of it. But think about this. Wouldn't it be great if you still could? He picks you up on your first date. You're not real crazy about the guy, okay? So he asks you, can I call you again? You go over to his car. You lean in the passenger door, and you go, <coughs> now even he could read that nonverbal. Johnny wasn't going to go to bed. He had no intention, so I picked him up over my head off the side because he's dripping. I took him to the bed. I put him in bed. I put my hands on his chest and just held him completely immobile. I didn't hurt him. We'd already brushed teeth. We'd already said prayers. We'd, we'd already done the bedtime ritual. He knew I was going to be daddy. We'd visited many times, but he didn't quite know how to read this guy. This guy looks like he means it. Besides, I had a tattoo put right there. It said, born to kick butt. Johnny, it's bedtime, son. Daddy's not going to let you go until I decide you're going to stay. Please don't get up after I leave, because I'll come back. You should have seen the look in his face. I went from Disney World to the county jail. My son Andrew is six years old. At the time, we had 654431. So Andrew's six. He's in the top bunk. Andrew? Would you talk to your brother, please? Johnny, if Daddy says go to bed, you better go to bed. I remember one time, I didn't go to bed. You're not going to like what's going to happen. You know that, Johnny? He's, you, he's not going to go away. He's going to come out in the hallway, and he'll stand there, and he'll wait for you. And if you come out, he's going to crack your bottom. He don't care what the caseworker says. Andrew, that's enough. You sound like Mom. <laughs> How long do you think I had to hold that boy before he went... Under a minute. Is that because I'm such a great disciplinarian? No. My wife's a far better disciplinarian than I am. Perception. He perceived this guy means it. And so he just stopped challenging it. A culture says why. Will you explain to me why that human being is acting that way? And if you'll notice on the radio... One of the more common questions I get, would you please tell me how to make another person be different? And I want to say, I have a heck of a time making you be different. So I don't see children. I work with the parents, the grandparents. That's the big people. They make the changes. Unfortunately, we don't like to look this way first for improvement. 
We look this way. I do marriage counseling. Once every five or six years, I would like someone to come into my office and begin like this. You know why I'm here? Because it has finally occurred to me, I am extremely difficult to live with. And I had to drag my spouse in here to help me take a good, hard look at myself. <laughs> no, no, no. Change that person. And we do this with kids. Now, before I go, I just want to share with you a couple of the more common this way explanations. Letter overload. Here's how it works. Take a kid. Don't love them. Don't discipline them. Don't give them stability from malignant neglect all the way to permissive, spoiled, rotten indulgence. You know, some kids need this much parenting. You're parenting here. You got twice what you need. And you think you're God's gift to parenthood. Some kids need this much parenting. And if you stay here, you're going to get eaten alive. So, Letter overload says, this all doesn't happen. If you don't get raised well, you can look pretty bad. Aggressive, defiant, vicious, conscienceless, pieces of conduct. Then a guy like me comes along. I've, uh, I've assessed that child. That child's disordered. That child's got letters. That child's got ODD. ADD, ADHD, LSMFT, IRS, EIEIO. I start flinging letters all over them. Oppositional defiant disorder, the most common childhood disorder that exists. It is not a disorder. It is a summary label for a whole lot of bad behavior over a period of time. But these letters are pouring down on our children in obscene quantities. My son John had all kinds of letters after his names. He had enough letters after his name, he could have spelled another couple of names. None of which have panned out except the letters I gave him. I diagnosed them. Behaviorally, regressive, attitudinal, trauma. Yeah, he got it right away quick. B-R-A-T. I'm going too fast for that whole roll over there. Becky's looking at me like, did I leave the iron on? What about diet? Isn't that a big one? Diet. Cut out anything red. Cut out anything sweet. Cut out anything artificial. Cut out anything that remotely tastes good. Give him a dry cracked wheat brown berry tofuti sandwich on bean sprouts. This kid will get better mass scores. Kiss his sister on the lips before he paints murals on the church ceiling. Well, there's one problem with diet. Oh, you decided to come back. You missed the most important part. Hey, don't blame me if your kids are on Dr. Phil. We need to pray for him. Diet is very important, and it's good for health and good for nutrition, and, and kids are allergic to things more so than they ever used to be, but the idea that if I eat this, I'm going to act like this has a very weak research link there. That notion's been swallowed whole by our culture. He went to that party. He had three Reese's peanut butter cups, two cans of Mountain Dew, and a Kit Kat. He came home and torched the dog. Now, I told those people, no Kit Kat. 
It was the Kit Kat. Probably not. Birth order, middle child syndrome. I tell parents you're that afraid of middle child syndrome, don't have an odd number of kids. Have an odd number? Give one away. Wipe out that middle spot. The truth on birth order, it only holds one place, oldest only. As a group, a little more independent, a little more achieving. Maybe they develop a shade quicker. I don't think that's their position. We change our styles. First kid, you boiled everything she came within 50 feet of. Last kid, you throw them this big dirt ball. Say, here, chew on that. Wipe your mouth off in a gas can before you come in the house. First kid, dual videotape of every burp and bowel movement she ever had. One kid, one snapshot at the birth, one at the wedding rehearsal dinner. Mom, I got no, I got no pictures. That's not true, son. Your sister did a popsicle stick sketch of you in kindergarten. We kept it. Besides, you look like your sister. Use her pictures. First kid, you sneak into her room every night. You stick a mirror underneath her nostrils. Make sure she's still breathing. Last kid, you tell the dog, get out of the crib. Don't lick her in the face. No, I was talking to the baby. You don't know where that mouse been, poor dog. Somebody asked my wife on our ninth one, Peter, was about two, three months old. Petey's sleeping through the night yet. My wife says, I don't know if he is. We are. I said, and you grandparents are treacherous people. You know that? You lurk. You lie in wait for us to have children who do to us what we did to you. My mother was at our house some years back, sitting in the kitchen, not saying a word. My mother's Italian. If she doesn't ask me if I'm hungry every nine seconds, she is seriously depressed. Mom, what are you thinking? Well, Ray, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you and Randy are getting very sloppy in your parenting. Huh? Elizabeth gets away with murder. Lizzie at that time was seven years old. I said, Mom, Lizzie doesn't need much discipline. She's a very cooperative child by nature. I'll give you a small example. Last night, I noticed it was a half hour past her bedtime. It was about 3 a.m. All I had to say, Elizabeth... Bedtime, please. Immediate cooperation. She took out her cigarette. She put it in the ashtray. You know, the other kids flick their butts on the floor, not Lizzie, in the ashtray. Back when I was in graduate school, this idea was gaining momentum, and I thought, well, there's no way this idea is going to catch on. This is so ridiculous, only intellectual types could actually believe it. And that idea was, and it, it laid low for a while, and it has come back with a vengeance. There are no differences between men and women. There are no differences between little boys and little girls. You give a little girl a front-end loader, she'll carry it around for four years, become a special ops tank commando. You give a little boy a baby doll, he'll carry it around for four years, become a nurturant preschool teacher. 50% of little boys will immediately rip the head off that baby doll and turn it into a machine gun. We are wired different. God says it. Human history says it. The research says it. For example, little girls, women, are more verbal than little boys. Men, they talk earlier. They talk better. They talk longer. That's why if a mom drifts into a discipline trap, it's usually something along these lines. 
talk, talk, nag, nag, repeat, repeat, negotiate. Talk, talk, nag, nag, repeat, repeat, negotiate. If a dad drifts into a discipline trap, it's usually something along these lines. Tolerate, tolerate, oblivious, oblivious, ignore, ignore, kill! Tolerate, tolerate, oblivious, oblivious. <laughs> you women are so sensitive. You really are. You're sensorially sensitive. My little girls would come downstairs for, before Mass and do this. Sarah, what's the matter? Sarah, it's five feet from your bed to here. What could possibly have upset you in that distance? Okay. This is touching me right here. I don't like the way this touches me right here. And my socks are twisted. And they got strings on them. And they won't stay in the straight line. My boys had come down. James, is that pee on your shirt? You see it now, Dad? First day of kindergarten, I asked my son, Andrew, how was school today? Okay. Good, good. So, so what would you do? Nothing. Or ladies, if you have a very communicative male, stuff. What is the name of the lady who stands in front of you for six hours? I don't think she told anybody, Dad. Joshua says he's got one called teacher. I'll ask her if they're related. First day of kindergarten, I asked my daughter, Hannah, how was school today, baby? Well, okay, Daddy. My teacher's name is Mrs. Bartley. Mrs. Bartley has three children, Jessica, Jason, and Ashley. I know their birthdays, favorite colors, middle names. I'll tell you those later. We did 12 activities, the pumpkin cutting activity. We started at 8.07. Is that a stupid time or what? Ashley was my best friend until 8.30. Then she got mad at me. I don't even know what I did. But Jessica told Tiffany I could be her forever friend till tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Now, Mrs. Bartley has this little brown mark right there. You can't tell it's there unless she goes over by the window and she bends down kind of like this. If she does, the sun comes through the Venetian blinds, off the clock, reflects through her bifocals, forms a prism on the window with a brown dot. Daddy, I don't think she knew it was there, so I figured it's time she knew. They both had the same teacher. Psychological correct. I don't pay attention to those signs. Psychological correctness is a quagmire. You'll overthink, you'll overanalyze, you'll overtalk, you'll overnegotiate, you'll underenjoy. Of course, you can get better at this. You can gain skills. You can buy my books and tapes. That's a little subliminal advertising in there. Nobody picked it up. But I'll tell you what, dear people, that is why folks are so shocked by those of you who have more than 1.86 children because you tell them you have five and they look at you like, oh, I got five. I can't even imagine five. I can, I, 
I can't handle the two I have. And what they don't realize is they're telling you about themselves. They're not telling you about the kids. That's why so many of you are looked at like you're a freak if you have that many kids. Two things I want to do before I go. One, good Lord permitting, we are bringing the television show Living Right with Dr. Ray to Wichita. In November, it's November 15 and 16, now, Janie Carty, a dear, dear friend, is out there by my book table, and she's got a little sign-up sheet. Now, all the sign-up sheet is for is just if you're interested. We will contact you. Janie will contact you, tell you where to go on the website, how to sign in. Just click it and go, okay, I want show one. I, we're going to do four shows, two nights, Wednesday night, Thursday night, I believe it is. Anyway, I'm not quite sure. It might be Monday or Tuesday. Both at night, 5 o'clock, 5.30, 7 o'clock, 7.30, something like that. The audience makes the show. Without you, the show is dead in the water. I got to have an audience. So the more people there, the better. So please sign up. We want to get a hold of you. Believe it or not, getting a big audience is tough. It's very, very tough. So with the kind of turnout you have for these conferences, I'm feeling pretty confident because you guys really have no life. I want to do this. I'm going to do this after my talk, The Logic of Being Catholic, tomorrow. Very different talk. But I want to say this because I know some of you might not make that talk tomorrow. And I know my experience is by far a phenomenon is happening among faith-filled Catholic parents that has never happened before in the history of Christianity. And that is high percentages of our children are leaving the faith. They reject it. They suspect it. They neglect it. And what happens, especially among the moms, is a sense of failure, a sense of guilt. What did I miss? How did I fall short? Where was my parenting deficient? Maybe I should have read the lives of the saints in the original languages and not in English. And you beat yourself up. I'm going to logically prove to you right now that your days of beating yourself up over this are over. You may still feel bad. You better pray for them. But beating up, done. Please just answer me yes or no to these questions. Is there a God? Is Christ God? Was he sinless? Could he perform miracles? Did he have a perfect understanding of human nature? Could he get most people to follow him? Oh, you all think you're better at this than the God-man. Can you do a miracle? Can you even do a crummy card trick? Dear people, our Lord himself couldn't get most people to follow him. Who do we think we are? Some kind of spiritual formula, spiritual correctness? If we just do it right? It's all going to work out. My wife and I have 10 children, all grown. Some may serve the church. Some may serve time. One gone to Penn State. One gone to State Penn. We will never tie our peace to the decisions our adult children make. Never. I don't want to live the rest of my life yanked around by the foolishness or the dumbness or whatever they do. I will pray for them. I will not enable them. 
I've got two or three kids I won't give another dime to because I love them. We're not estranged from any of them. That's a good thing. It's hard to be estranged from your parents when you're in jail. But we're not estranged from any of them. However, some of them have left the faith. They don't hate the faith. They're not angry at God. They don't reject it. They just kind of drifting along, you know, whatever. God loves me. I'm a good person, whatever. Don't tie your peace to those adult kids. You do, you're done. I want to close with this because Becky over there has been nagging me for the last 10 minutes. You know, Becky, seriously. Now, I've noticed with the other speakers, very gently you guys put up 10 minutes and 5 minutes. You know, I don't think it's right for you to put up a sign that says, are you done yet? I have to pee. <laughs> Trying not to take it personally. Elderly gentleman and his wife were shopping. She bends over. She picks up a can of clean peaches. She tries to walk out without paying. Woo! Goes before the judge. What'd you do? Stole a can of peaches. How many in a can? Twelve. Twelve days in the county jail, then. Her husband can't believe he's hearing this. Your Honor, please, please, may I say something? Go ahead. She also stole a can of peas. <laughs> You're a delight. I could talk to you guys all day. Thank you. Thank you, Ray.